I always enjoy just getting a quick glance uh, from the response of the congregation when the lector says, quoting from Paul, wives, be subordinate to your husbands. And you just see the guys going, yeah, you hear that? You hear that? And you can just see the wives going, yeah, like get a life not happening, you know? One of these Sundays, I'm going to preach on what that text means, but I'm not brave enough to do it right now. Today's feast, this feast of Christmas, the feast of the Holy Family, stands in a very gentle but stark contrast to the current political correctness which insists we accept as absolute unquestioned truth the new reality that there are all kinds of families and that family is pretty much whatever kind of relationship or structure we want it to have. As one of my progressive friends likes to tell me, family is whatever works. Now I have noticed over the years that those who hold such opinions tend to believe that human beings are essentially good, despite what both common sense and everyday life experience tells us over and over again. We are not essentially good. Neither are we essentially evil. I was raised in a Protestant tradition that taught that. Not all Protestant churches teach that, but some do. In the tradition I was raised in, human beings were considered totally corrupt, completely depraved, evil to the core, and as Martin Luther wrote, mounds of stinking putrid dung. That was man. We are neither essentially good, nor are we essentially evil. We are neither angels nor demons. What are we then? We are essentially screwed up. So it is inevitable that when we as screwed up critters take on to ourselves the right to redefine institutions like family, marriage, and then force new enlightened interpretations on society through judicial and legislative edicts and intense social pressure, we will, despite our best intentions, generate confusion and create great suffering Nothing good ever comes from crafting laws and policies that accommodate our weaknesses. The Feast of the Holy Family presents a truth that transcends human history. God has ordained from the beginning what a family is, and it is so simple because God is simple. The family is a man and a woman united in marriage, open to the procreation, the love, and the rearing of children. This natural law implanted in the heart of every human being that has ever existed, exists now, or ever will exist, is older than religion. 
It transcends religion. Now, there are, of course, and have always been and always will be, exceptional circumstances in which this cannot always be the case. And it is a wonderful mercy, a great consolation to know that God's grace is never denied to those who are trying to cope as best they can within the circumstances they find themselves. Exceptions to the norm, however, are just that, exceptions. They do not negate the norm, a concept that we pampered moderns strenuously object to when reminded of. Truth is truth. It may not be popular, but it's still truth. From the beginning, God designed the family, the marriage of a man and a woman, the complementary gifts of male and female, physically, psychologically, spiritually, to be the best foundation possible for the raising of children and therefore as the bedrock for a strong, stable, caring, may I say, compassionate community and society. A nation that erodes or undermines this truth will over time, weaken itself. It may destroy itself. How did it come about that people believed they could redefine family and marriage? Well, one factor that plays here is the insistence on rights. I have a right while at the same time dismissing an inconvenient hook. Rights can never be separated from responsibilities. A citizen, for example, has the right to vote, but also it carries the responsibility to vote intelligently by knowing what the issues are and discerning who the best candidate is regardless of party. One has the right to marry, but also has the responsibility to examine one's readiness for marriage. As every married couple can tell you that's been married more than five minutes, love is not enough. It just isn't. One has to truly be ready to enter this holy way of life. One has the right to have children but also the responsibility to acknowledge that child has rights. The right to a father and a mother that are committed to each other in marriage. Now again, there are tragic circumstances in life that often will not respect that child's right. But again, exceptions to the norm do not alter the truth of the norm. I knew a woman who had become pregnant. There was no possibility of marriage with the father. And despite pressure to abort the child, she refused, correctly believing the child had the most fundamental right upon which all other human rights depend, the right to life. 
Her family made it clear they would have nothing to do with this child. But then she came to another painful realization. Not only did her baby have the right to life, but the right to have a family. A man and a woman united in marriage who could provide the best possible chance in life for the child. A chance she could not provide, nor was she likely to for quite some time. She made a great sacrifice. She gave her baby up for adoption to a married couple. Sometimes the rights of others are more important than our own. The woman moved on with her life, at first with great sadness, but slowly it turned into a peace. This world just doesn't understand that she gave that child life and the opportunity to grow up in a family to receive the foundation necessary to make the best of that life. Consider the Blessed Virgin Mary's right. She had the right to say no to God's request to bear the one who would save us from our sins. Had she said no, we would not be here today. But she gave up that right for something far greater, your hope, my hope. She was only in the first phase of the marriage contract, what we moderns call engagement, but for the ancients was considered marriage. And to become pregnant with another's child subjected her under the law to the death penalty for adultery. But Mary knew God could be trusted even with such an incredible request. Now consider Joseph's right. He had the right under the law to divorce Mary when he learned of her pregnancy. The exercise of his right would have condemned Mary and the child to a life of poverty and shame as social outcasts. But Joseph surrendered his right because he too believed that God can be trusted and consider now how he undertook unthinkable responsibilities to be the husband of the mother of God to be the stepfather of the Son of God, mentor to the Son of God, to teach him how to be a man of God? How many guys here are up to that task? But Joseph did so because there was a greater good at stake than simply the exercise of his right. This Feast of Christmas... The Feast of the Holy Family is a reminder of the tremendous trust God has in every man and woman united in marriage and open to having children. I cannot stress this enough. To those who are in the married state, please know, whatever struggles you go through, God loves you. 
He doesn't expect you to make all the right decisions, but he does really believe you will make the best that you can at the time that you make them. He trusts that every married couple will make the best decisions possible, that their love and their commitment will provide the most solid foundation possible for their children to acquire the skills, the compassion, and the wisdom to make the most out of this life. In the end, the family, as Pope St. John Paul II once wrote, is indeed the school of life.